Welcome to this APTA podcast. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm Troy Elliott. As you've probably heard, the Biden administration has announced that it will end the COVID-19 related public health emergency on May 11th. Believe it or not, it's been more than three years since the PHE was first declared back in late January of 2020. I looked this up. If you go back, if you want to know how long ago it was, Tiger King didn't debut until March of 2020. So that's how long ago this PHE started. It, Of course, the PHE triggered some immediate but temporary regulatory changes, including around what PTs and PTAs could do and how they could do it and whether they could get paid for it, at least under federal programs like Medicare. Other developments came along as the PHE was repeatedly renewed, and along the way, Congress took some actions that directly or indirectly affected the whole environment. But now that's coming to an end, and it's important to talk about what that will mean for PTs, PTAs, and patients. One thing's for sure, the end of the PHE doesn't mean a return to normal, whatever you might think normal meant or means now. So here to help us sort out what's happening and what you can expect are two APTA staff members who've been immersed in how the PHE uh, has affected the regulatory environment. Rachel Miller and Andrew Amari, both health policy and payment specialists for APTA. Thanks to you both for helping shed some light on what we can expect after May 11th. Uh, Rachel, the one part of the PHE-related changes that received the most attention from the physical therapy community was around telehealth, obviously, and specifically around emergency waivers from CMS that allowed PTs and PTA to provide services via telehealth for patients under Medicare. Now, we know that these allowances will sunset at some point, at least as, as things stand now, but we also know that they won't go away on May 12th. So I'm wondering if you could walk us through what's going on. Of course, Troy. So originally under the CARES Act, telehealth privileges for physical therapists were set to expire at the end of the public health emergency. However, in 2022, Congress extended telehealth flexibilities through 151 days after the PHE ends. So these changes were codified in the 2023 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. And then again, Congress extended telehealth privileges until December 31st, 2024. So essentially right now we are in limbo because the statute says until the end of 2024, but the regulation says until 151 days after the PHE. So fortunately, CMS has indicated to us that the agency will issue updated regulations allowing for the use of telehealth through 2024 in the proposed 2024 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. And this is expected to be released this July. But I want to point out that there are still questions that need to be answered when it comes to facility-based PT's ability to provide services via telehealth. As of the day this podcast was recorded, May 3rd, we are still waiting for more guidance from CMS. The problem comes from CMS's interpretation that hospital outpatient providers are unable to continue telehealth after the PHE. This has led to additional uncertainty about other facility-based providers who use a UV04 claim form. APTA has been in contact with CMS on this issue, and we know that they are working on additional guidance. It seems like they just overlooked the nuances of facility-based physical therapy, and due to advocacy from APTA and our friends at ASHA and AOTA, they are taking another look. So obviously it's not ideal to get guidance this late, but we are hopeful that they are going to make a more favorable interpretation of a physical therapist's ability to perform telehealth. So in the meantime, stay tuned to APTA's website to be on top of any changes that CMS will make to the list of billable codes in the future.
Thanks, Rachel. And, you know, there's always the possibility that congressional action could lead to PTs and PTAs being permanently included in the list of providers uh, able to provide services via telehealth under Medicare. And, of course, that's been one of APTA's big advocacy priorities. Uh, we could actually see movement uh, on this during this Congress. But until that kind of change happens, and really until we know for certain how CMS will address this issue in the short term, what's your advice for PTs and PTAs around telehealth? Yeah, so this is a great question. So I have two things. First, um, be sure to use APTA resources. So we will always provide the most up-to-date information on telehealth on our website, on social media, through our newsletters, and in other ways that we connect with members, such as through this podcast. So my second tip is to just be ready for change. So while we are appreciative of the flexibilities that have been given to providers during the pandemic, we knew that they weren't going to last. So while the association um, continues to advocate for PTs to become authorized telehealth providers, there's never been a guarantee that these flexibilities would be made permanent. So we need to be prepared to work within the constraints that were given, but still continue to advocate for more for our profession, which we will do. Thanks. Um, I want to shift gears and ask you about what's going to happen relative to HIPAA. As many providers know, things have been operating a little differently relative to HIPAA during the PHE. So my question is, what's about to happen after May 11th and what do listeners need to be prepared for? Yeah, so during the PHE, the Office of Civil Rights in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services gave providers a break from any penalties they would have received if they were using patient communication technologies that were not HIPAA compliant. Those penalties were originally set to return on May 11th at the end of the PHE. However, CMS has extended this flexibility until 90 days after the PHE, pushing the implementation date to August 9th. So providers will have an extra three months to make sure their technology is HIPAA compliant, or they can set up a HIPAA business associate agreement that documents how their practice is safeguarding protected health information with due diligence security measures. Fortunately, many popular applications offer these agreements to healthcare providers, including Skype for Business, Microsoft Teams, and Zoom, among others. And APTA also has more resources on how to be HIPAA compliant on our website. Thanks, and I'll give a little information toward the end of this podcast about an article uh, we published earlier that has links to some of the resources you're talking about, so it's a quick way to get right to the place you want to go. Uh, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about settings, specifically home health, skilled nursing facilities, and inpatient rehab facilities. I'm hoping you can do the same thing Rachel did. Help, first, help us understand what's different under the PHE and then what's going to happen after the emergency ends and what PTs and PTAs need to be ready for. Uh, well, Troy, obviously each of the institutional post-acute care settings have had their own separate waivers and flexibilities throughout the PHE, so there is a bit to unpack there. Um, but I'll start by talking a little bit about skilled nursing facilities since they're already very experienced in weathering some of the PHE unwinding because CMS actually started rolling back uh, a good portion of the SNF flexibilities last May. Uh, well in advance of, of the end of the PHE. And so at that point, they announced uh, a 30 and 60 day wind downs for a variety of those temporary policies, uh, meaning they've had an unfortunate head start compared to the rest of the institutional providers. Uh, so if you are a SNF provider, you may be wondering uh, what else could you possibly be losing at the end of the PHE? Well, uh, the biggest change uh, is the end of the waiver of the three-day prior hospitalization requirement for SNF coverage. Uh, during the PHE, this requirement uh, has served beneficiaries and providers alike offering coverage of SNF services without a qualifying hospital stay. And this was not extended and it will end on the day of the PHE. So May 11th will be the last day that beneficiaries can qualify for SNF benefits without a qualifying hospital stay. 
So once it ends, uh, SNF coverage will again be premised on the three-day stay requirement. And this is really the last big one that PTs should be aware of in this setting. Uh, the other temporary policies that are set to end are primarily related to COVID-19, uh, so isolating patients, expedited enrollment, and some rules around temporary expansion sites, to name a few. And many of these are just artifacts from the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, they probably haven't been used by a lot of facilities in a while but mostly to support temporary sites and overflow from hospitals at the beginning. So we'll see most of this go on the 12th as well. But if you are a PT that's employed in an inpatient rehab facility, there's probably one uh, or two significant changes that our members should be aware of. First is the three-hour rule, or more formally known as the intensity of therapy requirement, which was waived throughout the duration of the PHE. However, uh, that is going to expire at the end of the PHE also. So this means that generally patients treated in ERFs will again need to receive their 15 hours of therapy per week, of course, uh, averaging out to the three hours a day requirement that we know it as uh, during the business week. So additionally, rehabilitation standards were waived for surge capacity patients during the PHE, and that will naturally end as well. But just as a reminder, that's not a change that applied to normal ERF patients. That was only for overflow and surge reasons. Uh, similarly, during the PHE, ERFs also had a useful flexibility around the 60% rule, uh, which is a major policy, a controversial one uh, in the setting, which sets a threshold for Medicare payment based on an ERF having at least 60% of their patients with a qualifying diagnosis, of which there are only 13 conditions that qualify. So during the PHE, ERFs have been able to exclude surge patients from that threshold calculation, ensuring that they, uh, if they took on surge or overflow patients, that they would not be negatively impacted in meeting the 60% threshold. Um, I imagine the specificity of this policy uh, only, which only allows ERFs to exclude patients admitted solely in response to the emergency means that few, if any, are still taking advantage of this flexibility. Uh, in any case, just know at the end of the PHE, all inpatients will again be included in the calculus. And so finally, I'll just briefly chat about home health. Um, during the PHE, PTs providing home health were not required to perform on-site supervisory visits involving direct observation uh, related to the training and assessment of AIDS. And that requirement will, in fact, return on May 11th, along with a mandate that all postponed on-site visits and assessments for AIDS be completed by July 10th. So if you've been postponing those visits, uh, you should start thinking ahead to make sure that July 10th date doesn't sneak up on you and get all of those supervisory visits done. Separately, uh, something as we understand won't change after the end of the PHE is the ability to provide patient services via telehealth. However, keep in mind that these telehealth visits are still not accepted as part of the PDGM utilization counts. And as noted earlier, uh, those telehealth allowances could remain in place as late as December 31st, 2024, uh, but pay close attention to any changes uh, of the list of allowable codes and, and any changes in this space. I know that we'll definitely communicate anything that we encounter, so be on the lookout. Uh, and finally, I think, um, my advice that if you're an employee in an institutional setting, be vigilant, be proactive. One of the unique benefits of working in an institutional setting is that you typically have a corporate infrastructure that has a vested interest in understanding and following these rule changes as well. But at the end of the day, we are all accountable for our own work. It's just as important to review these changes with your own eyes. So take a look at the CMS fact sheets for your settings. Make sure you understand these changes. 
I promise they're not terribly long. And if you're having trouble understanding how the unwinding may impact you, please reach out to advocacy at apta.org. Uh, we're here to help through the end of the PHE and beyond. So uh, I think that's that's covering most of the post-acute care settings, Troy. Thanks. And again, if you sense a recurring theme throughout this entire podcast, it's stay on top of stuff. And we can help you do that uh, through our blasts and our articles, our uh, Friday Focus series and the rest of it. So um, thanks, Andrew. Of course, another area affected by the PHE had to do with the supervision of PTAs. And this one's interesting because the changes occurred at the same time APTA and other organizations were advocating for shifts in CMS requirements around PTA supervision and in private practices. Rachel, can you help us understand what happened during the PHE, what's going to happen after May 11th, and what PTs and PTAs need to be doing in this regard? Of course. So before the pandemic, uh, general supervision was allowed everywhere except in private practice. But during the PHE, virtual supervision of PTAs was permitted in all settings. Um, and so this, this change is going to occur because while APTA will continue to advocate for general supervision in all settings, even after the PHE ends, including private practice, direct supervision will be required in private practice starting again on January 1st, 2024. Um, so we really just need our private practices to, to be aware of this um, and know that this change is coming. Thanks. I want to stay uh, on PTA issues for just a minute more. Um, my understanding is that during the PHE, CMS allowed PTAs to engage in maintenance therapy, and that that allowance has been made permanent, right? So remind listeners of what's meant by, first, remind everyone of what's meant by maintenance therapy, and, and then let us know how the landscape is different for PTAs these days. Yeah, so maintenance therapy is any services required to maintain the individual's condition or prevent or slow deterioration. So many physical therapists provide this kind of care to patients. And as of January uh, 2021, CMS did make permanent the flexibility that allowed PTAs to provide skilled maintenance and rehabilitative treatment in Medicare Part B settings. And so this includes home health and SNFs. The rules um, that require the use of CQ modifiers are still required um, for services that are provided whole or in part by PTAs, so keep that in mind. But ultimately, this is a really big win for our profession. APTA has always advocated for PTs and PTAs to practice at the top of their licensure, and we're really pleased that CMS made this flexibility permanent. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. Uh, to wrap things up now, let's focus on a couple of the even like bigger picture issues that are facing patients and what providers should be doing in that space. And here we're talking about Medicaid and CHIP mostly. So what's on the horizon there? Yeah, so there's lots to talk about on that front. So essentially during the PHE, the federal government allowed more beneficiaries into the Medicaid and CHIP program than it normally would. And the waivers that allow these beneficiaries to stay in the programs, even if they would normally be ineligible, will end on May 11th. So this is huge because as many as 15 million people could lose coverage. And on top of this, each state is approaching this process very differently for the unwinding. So some states have already started to unenroll people um, from the programs as early as this past week, and others are waiting a couple months even into the fall. So for providers, it's important to know that many of your patients could be losing coverage over the next couple months and that there are very specific ways that you can help them. So first, make sure that your patients are aware of what could be happening. Encourage them to update their contact information, check their mail, and complete renewal forms to attempt to maintain their eligibility as much as possible. 
And CMS has even created some great handouts, uh, both for Medicaid uh, agencies and for providers to explain what is going on and how you can help. So we highly encourage all of our members to check those out. Great, thanks. Uh, and thanks uh, so much, Rachel and Andrew, for all those ins insights. Uh, as always, APTA will continue to keep you informed as, as we learn more about the post-PHE environment, which is still kind of evolving. And if you'd like to read our initial article on the same issues we discussed in this podcast, visit APTA.org and use keywords public health emergency to find our written rundown. And the advantage of that is it has the links that Rachel uh, and Andrew mentioned in terms of resources. It has the links right in the article so you can get right to those handouts. Uh, the stuff uh, about HIPAA and all that other, all, all the other resources. Uh, so try uh, try that out as a as a path. Of course, uh, the public health emergency is just one part of a pretty vast regulatory landscape that APTA is helping our members navigate. So if you want to stay on top of what's happening, and it's crucial in terms of this PHE uh, environment that's evolving. Um, and, and not just in the regulatory arena, but in practice, research, payment, and within APTA, don't forget out uh, to check out uh, APTA Weekly, our regular recap of news and events delivered to your inbox every Wednesday for free. And I'll add, we also offer a Friday focus series that's topically focused. Uh, if you're especially interested in payment and policy, we have a Friday focus issue for that. Uh, just check out uh, your email options on APTA.org. I'm Troy Elliott, and thanks for listening. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.